Hey, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits, to the Mavericks everybody. And Misfits this is Jeff, podcast, grateful where that anyone and everyone who cannot today. bear the thought of remaining trapped in a status Tuesday quo version of Christianity can find you may a be home. Able to hear in the Religious traditions what eventually like suffocate Hitting above me, around me, it has been pouring rain on the day when I'm recording this, and it has just picked up as soon as I uh, hit record. And if you desire this, and you too are likely a maverick and a mystic, and now here is our host, a Christian whose entire ministry has challenged the religious system. Jeff Lyle. Sometimes when the Lord just releases some showers, I have a good friend. He's actually our youth pastor at church at Winder. His name's Jonah. And Jonah says that uh, every time that he's stuck in a downpour when he's in his vehicle, uh, the presence of the Lord thickens the place. And he says he always gets like great words from God during that time. So, Lord, I'm willing. <laughs> do for me what you do for my friend Jonah. Um, I'm actually going to record today's episode and uh, get ready to post it here um, in response to an email uh, that I got. You know, at the end of most of my broadcast, uh, we give you the option of connecting with us um, uh, via email off uh, at jeff at maverickmisfit.com jeff at maverickmisfit.com i get those emails directly Um, i answer almost all of them unless they're like really really long so if you do email me i'm a bottom line guy so get to the point as quickly as you can and it'll probably generate a more quicker response for me but today um i got a email um well i didn't get it today but from jameson a man named Jameson. He's out of, he says, Meridian, Mississippi. And this is what he wrote. Jeff, thanks for the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. I've been listening from nearly the very beginning. And I am helped every time you put out a new one. I'm 29 years old, divorced, in a job that I hate. And I have no real clue who I am or what I am supposed to be doing. I am saved. I am filled with the Holy Spirit and in a good church. But I really don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Anything you can share on this would help me. Well, Jameson, thanks for being transparent. Um, you know, I, I want to bless you with hope. I want to bless you with endurance. I'm sorry that uh, your marriage did not turn out the way you and your wife would have originally wanted. But I also want you to know that uh, Jesus is able to bring forth beauty from ashes. And um, I hope you're not allowing that um, painful event in your life, your divorce to, um, assign you identity or to put any cap on your future. Um, you were very transparent in your email. And, um, as I glance at it again, you said anything I can share on what you wrote would help you. Well, I, I hope to help you. I don't know that I can cover everything I might want to cover, um, in a, in a podcast, but I do, I do think this is a great opportunity, not only to speak to Jameson, but to speak to any of you who might identify with some of what he wrote, the main thing I'm picking up on is that uh, Jameson is expressing what a lot of people feel, that they are saved, um, they have history with the Lord, that they have tasted and seen that he's good, and they have plateaued. They've hit a place where um, they're not really sure what's happening between them and the Lord, or they've plateaued in life and maybe have lost a sense of the Lord's direction or maybe a sense of the Lord's affirmation of who they are. Or maybe they just um, they feel like they're on the shelf or being overlooked or ignored. Um, I want to say it's a very common experience. Um, I know that I've gone through that before. 
I felt like, you know, there've been times, even though I've been in ministry, basically the whole time I've been saved in vocational ministry since three years after I was saved, but there've been times where I felt completely shelved by the Lord. Uh, there was a long season, uh, in the late nineties where I didn't really feel God talking. And, uh, all I did was really just read the Bible out of, you know, a sense of this is the right thing for a Christian to do, but I was desperate to hear the Lord and feel the Lord. Um, I would say for a couple of years, there were just flickers of moments where I felt the Lord's presence. And otherwise it was a very, um, it was kind of a sense of just doing what is right, being disciplined, being faithful, um, refusing to give up, not panicking. And then just, um, really just disciplining myself to say, okay, um, Lord, it doesn't feel very interactive in our relationship right now, but I know what your word says. You haven't gone anywhere. And, um, I would say looking back on that time for me, and I'm not saying this is what's happening with Jameson or any of you, but it's something worthy of considering. I look back on that time now. I mean, what are we talking about? 20 something years ago, um, almost 25 years ago. And I look back on that time. And what I see is that, um, the Lord used that season, maybe even intentionally, I'll risk it and say that maybe the Lord allowed me to feel distant from him to purify my endurance, my steadfastness and my trust. You know, when we're little children, we need a lot of reassurance from our parental figures, or at least those that are given, you know, jurisdiction over our little lives. When we're kids, we need a lot of reassurance. Um, there's a lot of crying when you're a, a little child. There's a lot of neediness, and that's perfectly normal for little children in the natural and the physical. Um, but when we apply uh, those principles to what it means to be enduring or engaging in spiritual growth, um, we are actually not supposed to be as dependent on the feelings of um, our relationship with God. And let me, let me clarify that. I want to unpack it because some of you just panicked. Yes, I do believe that the normal pattern of a born-again life is that you feel the Lord. You feel him. But you may, may not feel him at the level of constant surge that a lot of people crave because the Lord wants to build our trust. And sometimes in any healthy relationship, when maybe the emotional feeling is not at fever pitch, you should still know, but this person loves me. This person is important to me. I am important to this person and I can trust them in the present based on what I've learned from them in the past. And I don't think it's too different with our relationship with God that he doesn't, he doesn't want us to be dependent on feeling him. That's what I'm trying to say. Feeling him is, I think, natural and it's good and it's healthy. But if we're dependent upon him, then we place ourselves at a disadvantage because the Bible does not say that the justified shall live by feeling God. The, the Bible says that the justified shall live in faith of God. And there are very few times where our faith needs to be stronger than when we can't feel the Lord working around us. And so I can identify with what J uh, Jameson wrote, and I can identify with um, maybe that connecting with some of you because I've experienced it in my own life. But that's just acknowledging what he wrote. He, what he actually asked for is if there's anything that I can offer, um, he'd appreciate it. And so um, I'm not going to give you a big Bible study today. This is almost like a little coaching session, uh, but don't turn it off because I think this might meet some of you because I want to talk to you. I don't know what to call it, but let me give you like the whole enchilada. 
Remember that phrase? I don't even know where that came from. The whole enchilada just means, let me, let me, let me give you the whole thing. Let me give you the whole big stuffed thing right now. And I'm going to give it to you in three parts that I would encourage you maybe um, to write down if you're in a place where you can write or at least to, to memorize it. Because I think that I've found in walking with the Lord um, nearly 28 years now, there are three things that I think God wants to impart to you a good sense of. And, and I'm talking about like about you. He wants you to know at least three things and to know that he's crafted those things and they're a part of your life. They're a core part of your life. And there, there's other things we could talk about, but you know, I've got like 20 minutes left. So let me, let me just talk to you about these three things. I'm going to give them to you first, and then I'll break them down just briefly on each one. But I believe God, God really wants you to understand and come to peace with and just really embrace uh, who you are. That's your identity. Who are you? So Jameson, just speaking straight to you, you emailed me, so I speak straight to you. And I would say to you, who are you in Jesus? And that is something that God has to define. And it's not, it's, it's not something that, um, you know, it's on a sliding scale. There are statements in scripture, I call it positional truth, that God declares over every single one of his covenant children, every single one of us. And he wants to bring you into a full rest of who you are because all around you, and that's the identity aspect, all around you, every single force in this culture is trying to assign you an identity. And so let me loop back to this in a moment. So that's the first one. Who you are is your identity. The second part of the enchilada is how you are. Who you are is your identity, but how you are is your personality. It's, and it's not simply just what you project. It's actually how you're wired. Your personality, your temperament, your hardwiring. Like God created you on purpose and he, he literally sculpted you. And then, of course, that, that sculpting hand of God is also... Um, enhanced by how how things in life have shaped you and brought you to a place where you have a distinct personality and for the christian you've got to come to a place where you can rest in in how you are if who you are is your identity how you are is your personality and there's a lot of people who know who they are biblically in their identity but they struggle with how they are in their personality and again, there's a hundred different little tangents I could run off on. I'm, I'm not making an excuse. If you have some personality issues that are really negatively impacting people around you, you can't just say, well, that's the way God made me. Um, but you do need to recognize that you're not going to be able to please everybody with how you are if you're being your true God-ordained self. And again, I'll loop back to this in a moment, maybe give some examples. But the third one, so you got identity is who you are, personality is how you are, but then the third one is priority, why you are. What's your purpose? And Jameson, I think, mentioned that in his email. He said, um, I don't know what I'm doing in life. I don't, I don't know what my life's supposed to be about. And that's a big deal, man. I'm not going to make light of that because, um, you know, a lot of people, and I'm, I'm careful not to be critical here, but a lot of people are like, oh, it's all about identity. It's all about identity. It's all about identity. You just got to know who you are. But from identity flows priority. From, from your personhood flows your purpose. And um, a lot of people are hardwired in, the, hardwired in their personality to glorify and honor God by what they're doing with their life. 
Uh, some people, you know, are, are just primarily about being. They don't really care about accomplishing anything. They're not, they're not looking to scale the mountain or slay the giant or, you know, do something super awesome with their life. They're just all about, oh, man, I just want to experience the Lord. And I, I think in the proper context, that's fine if that's the way God's wired you. But all of us have um, a share in the, the, the mission, which is to bring God glory on earth, to serve God by serving others, and to advance the gospel and to advance the kingdom. And so we're supposed to have a priority, a purpose attached to that. So again, identity, personality, and priority. I think if we can come to a healthy understanding of these three things in our life, who we are, how we are, and why we are, then that's kind of like the beginning of eating the whole enchilada of what a Christian life is all about. And so let me just talk on this. Again, I'm not giving you a bunch of Bible verses today. You know, we we do that frequently on this podcast. But today, this is just Jeff talking to you and to others who are willing to listen. So um, do you know who you are? Do you know who Jesus Christ has made you? What does God the Father speak of those who are in Jesus? Because over and over again, you're going to find the phrase in Christ in the New Testament, in Christ or in him. You're going to find that multiple times in the context for your life. According to Colossians chapter three, it says that your, your life, your very life is hid with God in Christ. Like your life is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. That is your identity. And so the Bible goes to great lengths to say a lot concerning positional truth, meaning once you are in Christ, some things are immediately true about you that are not true about those who are not in Christ. And I could, you know, I could give you long, long lists of things, but I think some of the most important ones is, is to know that you are complete in Christ. That means in Jesus, you are everything you need to be. You may not be at the full measure of it, but you are everything you need to be in Christ. He is your sufficiency. So you don't need another person to complete, complete you. You don't need a job to complete, complete you. You don't need an, a certain level of beauty to complete you or success to completely complete you. Um, you are in Christ accepted in the beloved, Ephesians chapter one. You are the righteousness of Christ. You have been made the righteousness of Christ. That is why you are accepted. So you are fully accepted by the father as you are, even in your not yet glorified state, you're completely accepted, like completely. You need to hear that. That's a massive part of identity because so many people in churches and in the body of Christ struggle with this not enough syndrome. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I'll never be this enough. They told me I wasn't that enough. And that word enough, that comparative term, that term that talks about, you know, percentage, you know, what percentage is enough to where you should feel okay in Christ. But that sense of not being enough, man, that, that hammers people. And so they're constantly striving to be enough or to do enough to feel safe enough with the God who's already declared that Christ is enough. So you've got to come to a terms and it, it takes a lot of courage for you because a lot of people actually feel irresponsible. Like, oh, well, Christ is enough, but that's a cop out. That's a cop out, Jeff. Christ is enough. That's going to lead me to a flippancy and a cavalier attitude and a kind of, you know, um, passive approach to the Christian life. Well, not if you understand that from his sufficiency, you are to live in excellence and for excellence. 
But it's not to gain something. It's because you already got everything you needed as soon as you came into Christ. That's true over you. And so that complete, that acceptance, that love, you are the beloved. Um, maybe Jameson and others are feeling like, man, I'm just not loved by God because this thing happened in my life. Maybe it's a divorce, like he mentioned, or maybe it's a loss of job, or maybe it's a failure morally, or maybe it's, you know, just like you don't measure up because you see other people killing it and crushing it. And you're feeling like you're just gagging. Um, my friends, it's, it's his love came to us while we were still sinners we were, according to scripture, the enemies of God. We were reprobate. We were individuals that were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were children of the devil. We were children of darkness. We were depraved. I mean, I want you to get that. You were depraved. You were dead. You were dark. You were of the devil. All those D words. And God says, I love you. I'm going to love you with the fullest love. I'm going to love you to the extent that I'm going to choose you, I'm going to save you, I'm going to enter into a process of sanctifying you, I'm going to live in you, I'm going to shepherd you, and I'm going to see you through if you'll just keep trusting me. And he did all that when you had nothing to offer him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so you either believe that or you don't. And if you don't believe that, you're not going to feel loved, and you're not going to feel accepted, and you're not going to feel complete. Or if you believe that in a theological way, but you don't really feel it relationally, that means you're always going to feel like you're on thin ice with God. So you've got to perform to keep him loving you. And that's a miserable way to live. And it is inconsistent with the identity that we've been given. And so I've always found, and it took me a while to come into this. I was, I struggled immensely with an orphan spirit and it still tries to raise its head in me from time to time. I've learned how to, to crucify it quickly, but I, I, it took me a long time to come to the fact that like God doesn't need my competency. God doesn't need all my gifts and my abilities. God doesn't need my ministry. God doesn't need my perfectionism. He doesn't need all, he doesn't need anything, but he certainly doesn't need anything from me to continue to love me, to accept me to welcome me and to use me and to validate me. So if that sounds like Dr. Phil to you, you're just wrong. You just need to say, this is positional truth. This is what the Bible says. And it's all in the context of grace. It's undeserved favor from God. He just gives it to you because he gives it to you. And yeah, that'll offend your sense of pride because the human spirit wants to earn something. And I'm going to tell you, you could never do good enough to earn it. And maybe you don't feel God sometimes because you're still trying to earn what he's already given you. Identity is important. You're not a sinner in your identity. You say, well, Paul said I'm the chief of sinners. I get what Paul was saying. But Paul was not acknowledging that that was his primary identity. He was talking as a saint, a Christian, one who is born again, who was battling to crucify his flesh. And so when, like, I remember back in the day when I first got saved, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And man, that's an illegal statement in the kingdom of God because you're not just a sinner. You're actually a saint. You are, if you keep saying that I'm just a sinner, guess what you're probably going to live like? A sinner. But if your identity that's flip switches, you say, no, I'm actually not primarily a sinner. I'm a son and a daughter who is in an imperfect state. I am becoming what I am. My identity is secure that I am a child of God by the grace of God through the blood of the son of God. And therefore, I am not bound to my sin. I am not bound to failure. I am not the, the sum total of my worst experiences in life, but I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm always being made to triumph in Jesus. That's Bible. That's not Jeff Lyle. That's Bible. And so you've got to change the way you think. You've got to start, first of all, researching. You know, don't, don't rely on a podcast to tell you who you are in Christ. Open your Bible 
and go to town reading it, or at the very least, Google what does the Bible say about positional truth or what does the scripture say about who I am in Jesus? I mean, let Google do the research for you, but, but put in a little effort and find out who you are and just believe the word of God. So that's identity. And we all need to know that. And by the way, you have to stay fresh in that. You have to stay fresh in that. You've got to keep your identity in Jesus Christ at the forefront of your thinking. Because if you lose your sense of identity, then you're going to struggle in pretty much everything that flows from it, which is this, you know, basically everything in the Christian life flows from who you believe you are in Jesus and who he is to you. Second thing I mentioned was not who you are, but how you are, your personality. This is important. You know, Amy, my wife and I, we, we love temperament tests. Um, Myers-Briggs, you know, I know some of y'all hate the Enneagram because you think it's demonic. Okay. Well, we just disagree on that. Um, I found it to be very accurate. And I've also taken a multitude of fivefold tests and, um, I'm interested in how God has wired me because I want to be the man that he's made me to be. I want to be the Christian he's made me to be. And all around you are individuals that want you to be what they want you to be. That's true for me. And that's true for you. And there are extreme pressures placed upon us to become something other than we are in the primary uh, temperament or personality that God has given us. So who, who are you is your identification, but um, how are you is your, your personality? How has God wired you? Are you extroverted or introverted? You'll never change that, by the way. You will never change how you are at the core of your being. God wired you a certain way. Um, are, are you a person that thinks or are you a person that primarily feels? You'll probably never change that. It doesn't mean you can't grow in the area where you're not naturally hardwired by God, but it simply means you will respond more than likely to things either based on your gut feeling, your sense of what is God saying, or you'll say, well, Lord, show me what the facts are and then I'll know what to discern or conclude. So thinker or a feeler. Um, are you an individual who um, is... Mild, gentle, kind, sweet, or are you an individual that was born for conflict and born for warfare? And if you see a giant, you're going to slay a giant and you're not going to negotiate. Are you a person that cannot sit quietly by when, you know, God's name is being misrepresented? Are you more pastoral? Are you more prophetic? Are you apostolic? Are you more of a teacher? See, these kind of things are how God wires. And then when you receive the Holy Spirit, when, when, when you become a new creation in Jesus Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit, he takes ownership and he brings gifts to you. And so you have your natural hardwiring in your temperament and personality by God, but then you have the influx of the Holy Spirit and all the gifts he brings. And so in, in the end result, you are this beautiful God-ordained partner with him. It is who you are in your humanity as you submit that to his divinity and you being filled with, led by, and um, resting in the Holy Spirit, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. This is the sum total of how you are, how you're living your life. Um, a word to some of you that are younger. So in my 20s um, and really in my 30s, especially when I became a lead pastor at the age of 32, um, I became painfully, acutely aware that there were people that had a plan for my life. And especially in the role of a pastor, there were certain people that expected certain things of how I should be. 
And the issue for me is in those years, I was still forming a solid concept of who I was. And because that wasn't fully like anchored at that time, it was still being formed. Therefore, I, I received a lot of pressure about how I was. And sadly for me, I didn't have anybody mentoring me or helping me. Nobody was telling me what I'm telling you now. Nobody was saying that to me then. I, I had a lot of pressure to become something other than how I was. And I was told that, hey, you can't do this in ministry because it has this effect with people. Well, I'll just, I'll take the, the ambiguity out of it. Like I was very, very missionally driven. I was very um, direct and um, I think at times probably abrasive. I didn't have all of the maturity I needed back then, but it was still a byproduct of the fact that God made me to be um, a Joshua in the spirit, to take the land, to take the mountain, to kill the giants, to subdue the enemy, to lead the people. And unfortunately, in that church, my predecessor was very opposite of that. He was very pastoral. He was very, in, in one sense, relational. He, he needed to be needed, which was fine because he was a pastor and he had a lot of people that needed him. So he was validated in meeting the pastoral needs of the people. And the people learned over a couple of decades that that's the man we go to when we have needs. So then I show up and I'm like, oh, don't come to me with your needs. Your needs are Jesus. You need Jesus. And my job is to lead you to Jesus and point you to Jesus and make Jesus big to you. I need to get you to where you don't need me at all. And if I can get you to where you don't need me at all, then I've done my job because what you need is Jesus. Jeff won't be there all the time, but Jesus will be. So that was my, that was how I was. And man, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And so to, even to this day, I, I, I take, you know, criticism from people that love Jesus. They love the Lord, but they're very disappointed that how I am doesn't meet what they want. By the way, it happens in, in families. It happens in schools. It happens in parachurch ministries on the mission field. It happens in communities. It'll happen on a, a sports team. You get enough people on a sports team, people want you to be a certain way. And so my point being is this, how you are needs to constantly be submitted to the Lord. Now, there are certain uh, aspects that we can't just be fully who we are at level 10 at all time. We, there, are, There is the clear biblical component that we are sometimes to forego our liberties. We are to um, become all things that we might save some. Paul mentioned that. There were times where Paul would do things that he wouldn't normally do for himself, but he would do them for the greater good, such as taking the vow and shaving his head and circumcising um, uh, Titus and Timothy who were uh, uncircumcised to make them presentable. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that you, you have a, a blank check to go and be however you want to be, wherever you want to be at any time with any person. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. You've got to come to peace that God has made you a certain way. He has given you certain personality traits and he has withheld certain personality traits. Let me say something to all of you that are in local churches. Local church services on Sunday mornings are almost exclusively structured for the extrovert. Because you got to throw your hands up in the air and you got to shout and you're supposed to dance. And if you're just sitting there contemplating God, they'll tell you you need the Holy Spirit or you're just backslidden or you're dead. And friends, that is so shallow. Introverts and extroverts don't worship publicly the same way. 
And so if you're an introvert and you're like, okay, I got, man, I, I, can't, I, I gotta, I gotta amp it up a little bit. I gotta drum it up. I gotta do something more. Uh, I wouldn't give into that pressure if I were you. And if you are an extrovert, you need to realize sometimes you're going to walk into a church that's filled with introverts and you better not get up and shout and dance and wave your hands around and feel superior to them. Why? Because listen, God makes people a different way. And we need to start, start entering into the honor system where we honor people and say, God made a person differently than me, and he's just as pleased with them as he is with me. And then you have to come to the place where you say, that's just, it's how I am, and it's okay. It may be different than a lot of people. It may not fit what other people want me to be, but it's how I am. So Jameson, I don't know how you are. I know you shared a very little bit about what you went through, but um, for all of us, your identity and your personality um, you got to get those settled before you get to this third one. And I'll finish with the third one. And that's priority. So remember with me again, identity is who you are. Personality, temperament, that's how you are. Priority is why you are. And that's what, that's what was said in the email. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what my life's about. And that's a biggie. And I, I'm going to tell you, um, this, this may be hard for some of you to hear, our culture and even our churches are designed to um, make us want to go through um, this initial seeking out of priority and purpose before we get identity and personality established. So we, we, we tend to run to why we are seeking why we are. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? And God is so wise not to assign you your purpose prematurely. Um, I forget who it was. It may have been C.S. Lewis who said, um, the worst thing for a man is for him to succeed before he is ready. And it's true in ministry and in life for you to be attached to a big purpose in life before you have a great understanding of your identity that is going to undergird that purpose. And by the way, your identity will outlast your purpose because your identity is something God has given you forever. Your purpose on earth will come to an end and your assignments can change regularly. And so a lot of people, they, they, they're looking for their priority. Where's my ministry? What's my calling? What am I going to do? How come my pastor doesn't open a door for me? How come God doesn't open a door for me? Why have I served in the, in the, in the shadows for so long? Where's, where's my, where's my spotlight moment? Where's my aha moment? Where's my Isaiah in the temple in Isaiah chapter six, where I get to say, God, that's my calling. Here I am. Send me. And so let me just say a few things. You make God your purpose and he will give you your priority. You make God knowing him, experiencing him, growing in him, loving him. You make him your purpose and he will undoubtedly give you your priority. Intimacy releases assignment. And the problem is, is that we are so fixated on our assignment and the structure of churches in America that makes it look like, oh man, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. This is what it looks like to have a purpose. And it's all like on Instagram, on social media, on video with lights and filters and platforms and marketing guys. 
I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't have a place in ministry, but if we have come to the place where we believe that I don't have a priority or you don't have a priority, unless it's like super cool or global or well-known, then we have missed it. We have, we have prostituted the priority of making God our purpose. You make God your purpose. You make it. That means you love him. You learn him. You study his word. You obey him. You rest in him. You, 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 you first must learn the joy of serving him in the shadows before you're even remotely close to being ready for a platform. It's the first thing, like when, when, when somebody is looking to move up in an organization, I'm currently helping lead three organizations, Transforming Truth Church at Winder and Caneo Ministry Training Center. And frequently over the years, there are opportunities to fill in vocational or occupational roles within organizations that I've led. And do you know the first thing I want to know when I'm considering an employee or a staff member or um, somebody that is coming to, to join and work with me? The first thing is this. I want to know, where is your heart pertaining to being a servant? Where is your heart pertaining to being a servant? Where have you served? Not where have you gotten paid? Not how good are you? Not who loves you? Not how many followers you have? But like, where have you served? And I want to know that because if a person doesn't have a track record of faithful, dutifully serving, then they're not ready to step into their big priority and why they are in the kingdom. And the younger you are, the harder it is to swallow that because, um, you know, we live in a culture of premature advancement and it's just wrong. There's a reason why Paul in writing in the pastoral epistles in more than one way warns about coming to a young man or a young person too hastily and laying hands on them. That means to ordain them, to assign them an office in the church, that they can't be a novice. They can't be a rookie. They can't be so young that they don't have experience. Now, listen, it doesn't mean that young people can't have you know, enough experience to get started. What it does mean is there is something to be said about proving yourself as a servant of God before you are fully ushered into your priority from God. And so you, I, I, I've got to get you to the place where, where you're listening and you're hearing these things. That identity comes before your missional priority, your ministry priority, your purpose. And so if, if somebody is wanting their moment or their answer, God, just tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'll do it. And, and God might very well whisper, I'll tell you what you're supposed to do when you are resting in who I've said that you are. And it, it literally would be inconsistent with the wisdom of God to give you something big to do as a priority when you still don't know who you are. And that's not just a young person's disease. That's, that's a lot of people in the church that struggle with that. So I would say for all of you, and I'm out of time, to press into this. Lord, affirm my identity in Jesus. Lord, bring me to a place where I'm at peace with my personality, my, my how, how I am, who I am. And then God, when I'm ready, tell me why I am. And Lord, open up the doors to give expression to my priority and my purpose only after I've come to a place of peace and acceptance about my identity. And guys, I'm going to tell you, nobody will stop you. Listen to me. 
Nobody will stop. Nobody on earth, not a human, not a demon, not a circumstance will stop the Christian who knows her identity and has said yes to her priority. And I, I, I love what John the Baptist said. And I'll just close with this. So in John the Baptist, when his ministry was growing and crowds were being drawn to him, people kept asking him, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? And they said in one place, if you're not the Messiah, then tell us who you are. And listen to what John the Baptist said. He said, I am a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Watch this. Who are you, John? That's an identity question. And John so knew who he was that when he answered, he told them that I am a voice crying in the wilderness. I am a voice crying. What did he say? He said, from my identity flows my priority or even my ministry. And he didn't bother to separate the two. I know a lot of people say, well, don't put your identity in your ministry. Well, of course you don't put your full identity in your ministry because your ministry can change. But when John was asked the question about his identity, he got the big picture because he knew that from his identity as the forerunner flowed his priority as the voice crying in the wilderness. And that's the most glorious place you can get when you know who you are and you know why you are. And you don't make apologies for it. And you just watch the hand of the Lord continue to bless it. Guys, my time's gone. I want a little bit extra today. I want to remind you, you can go to maverickmisfit.com. You can check out all the previous episodes. Please subscribe to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. Rate and review us. Some of you have been listening for a year. Jameson, this might be you. Some of you have been listening for the since I began. And you've never taken the two minutes to rate and review And that really, really helps us. And so if you'll do that, leave a comment. Just rate and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. And uh, that helps us. That's all I ask. If you want to um, get a chance to check out Transforming Truth, there are so many free resources on that website. Download the Transforming Truth app or go to transformingtruth.org if you're interested in getting a copy of my book. You can get it wherever they sell books or you can get a signed copy on transformingtruth.org. And if you are interested in furthering your biblical education, check out KaneoMTC.com. Kaneo, K-I-N-E-O, M-T-C, KaneoMTC.com. I serve as one of the professors there, and we are opening, uh, I think by the time school starts in September, we will have 25 campuses in addition to the central campus in Dawsonville, Georgia. We're opening one here at the church at Winder. It's going to be awesome. This is the time to get grounded in the Word of God so you can come through a gospel understanding of identity, personality, and priority, who you are, how you are, and why you are. And I don't know why anybody is waiting. Let's be proactive about the walk that we have been given with Jesus. And let's see what God will do with us in the future. I am signing off. We'll talk to you next time. We're happy you were able to tune in today. You can help us reach more people by rating and reviewing Mavericks and Misfits on whatever platform you use to listen to today's podcast. Connect with Jeff on his personal and ministry social media links by visiting transformingtruth.org. Also, feel free to email Jeff with comments or questions at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. I'll say it again, Jeff at maverickmisfit.com. We will talk to you again next week. Peace.